here's the starting lineup for the Generations Sports Podcast, presented by Calf Sports. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever it is, wherever you are, and welcome to the Generation Sports Podcast. I'm Jeff Kennedy, along with Bill Lunkovich. Hey now. Dave Zorn. Hello, everybody. And absent one Casey Everett today, which means that we get like at least 25% more time to talk, right? Not only that, we get to bash him relentlessly. No soccer today. (laughs) No soccer. No. Absolutely. So coming up on the show, obviously, we're going to briefly get into the World Series. Texas Rangers are World Series champions. We'll talk a little bit about that. We've got plenty of college football to get to. Three key games in the top 25 that we want to talk about. Course stump the unk, our chance to see if we can get one by Flagstaff Bill. And then three key NFL games Dolphins, Chiefs, Cowboys, Eagles, Bills, Bengals that we'll talk about as well. I've got the honor of sports through the ages for this week. Dave Zorn, Sports Around the Mountain. And then we'll close things out like we always do with our weekly rant. We call it crunch time. One minute to get some stuff off our chest. So before we get to Major League Baseball, guys, I want to start here today. Legendary coach. Bob Knight passed away this week. And I think all of us have some type of Bob Knight story. If it's not a personal one-on-one story, some way that Bob Knight affected us as sports fans, as young athletes, whatever. And, and Bill, I want to start with you. You're, what do you remember? What do you like? What do you not like about Bob Knight? Good guy, bad guy, good coach, bad coach. What are your thoughts? Great coach. Uh, actually, the last undefeated team in NCAA um, history is Bobby Knight's uh, team. I think it was 75-76. Very complicated guy. A winner. Uh, I don't think his style of coaching could work these days. But he made a lot of men out of some young boys getting to college. I'll, I'll have good memories of Coach Knight. Dave? Yeah, I mean, I, I go back and, and think how his rough exterior with everybody kind of worked. I mean, he fits that, that mold or that uh, the thought of old school coach. If you were to have a definition of that today, you'd probably he'd be one of the pictures or one of the Mount Rushmore guys as, as going back to old school coach. Brash with the media, but sometimes it was it was warranted. I mean, I, I go back and listen to where um, you know he, he described the game face. What is the game face? He made all these weird gestures with his face, but I've never seen one. I don't know what that means. Um, so there's that and, and, you know, tossing the chair. He was a colorful figure, but he was a great basketball coach. No question. He was a great basketball coach. And there was always the criticism, you know, a bunch of guys and, and me included coming up like, Hey, you know what? He's a winner. Don't know if I could play for him. Of course, then I was in the military and I had a drill sergeant and, and people who were very much of that style, you know, the kind of in your face, the make you accountable. And, I think we all need that to some degree. And Bill, you made the comment, how would that play today? It's unfortunate that we have to soften everything. And I'm not saying that Bobby Knight was was great. I mean, there were there were times where he his hypercritical approach might have been demasculating to some men, okay? But at the same time, we do need to have a tougher exterior so we can have a tougher interior. And Bob Knight, I think because he was so rough, because he forced accountability with his players, he did, as you said, make men out of young boys who may not have had the benefit of fathers in the home and things like that. Uh, Jim Baham, uh, I, I heard him talking yesterday about this, and he said, I, I don't think that would work today, uh, his coaching style, but it should, is what he said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's pretty interesting. Abs- absolutely. So, uh, great coach, right? Mm-hmm. Good guy, bad guy. Or is that even fair? Uh, you know, you know, I kind of, I, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about, about him and 
And uh, what was the uh, the old uh, the manager of the Yankees back in the day? Billy Martin. Yeah, Billy, Billy Martin. Billy Martin. I, I, I I look at that at the like basketballs. Billy Martin, charismatic figure, doesn't mind putting himself out there to uh, instead of people going after his team, they come after him. Uh, I think great coach. I think he was great for the game. Whether he's a good guy or not, I don't know. I never t- I never had to deal with him, but I guess it's probably a mixed reaction. If you're if you're on the Indiana University beat um, or wherever else he's coached, you may you may be good with him, or you learned how to be good with him. Um, but maybe for visiting, you know, media, that kind of thing, it probably wasn't a good, a good, he started, he started at army. So, I mean, that's where his background and his experience and his knowledge came from. He just took it to a whole new level at Indiana. And, and guys that are tough like that. Yeah. I mean, you think of Bill Parcells, for example, and, you know, kind of same rough exterior, same type of disciplinarian. And Phil Sims said something to me years ago. It's like when he played for him, he hated him, but he got the best out of him, you know? And so I think. Probably a lot of people would say that about Bob, about Coach Knight as well. All right, let's move on. So, World Series has ended. We were hoping when we recorded this week that we would be, we would have the pleasure, the privilege, the joy of talking about an upcoming game six, you know, and seven over the weekend. Not the case. So, Dave, it would be irresponsible of me to not start with you because, um, you know, you've been so attached to the Arizona Diamondbacks throughout the season. You called it when everyone else was counting them out. You stayed with them to your credit. And you had even admitted that if they weren't playing in the World Series, you wouldn't be watching it. But you had a reason to watch. And when it's all said and done, what are your thoughts? Now I'm going to force this on you. Start with what the Texas Rangers did, and then you can finish with what that means for the Diamondbacks going forward. Well, Jeff, uh, they won the World Series. Now let's take on the look at college football. We've got a couple of games we want to pick. That's awesome. I was <laughs> kidding. Um, no, I, you know what? I, I, going in this series, I think um, if you are a fan of the underdog and and the great stories in sports, this was the World Series for you. You had two teams that you know defied odds and you know kind of had a weird way of even getting in the playoffs. The Rangers lost to the uh, the AL West on the last day of the season. The Diamondbacks needed somebody else to get them in. Because they couldn't figure it out how to beat Houston, so, um, but that's what we had in the World Series. It was the it was the least watched World Series of all time. But I don't care. I mean, that doesn't matter. You it, live in Arizona. You're you watching. Here's yeah. the thing: you keep you hearing from fans of big teams. I'll throw some Dodger fans, and not you, but some Dodger fans, Phillies fans, you know, Yankees fans, Red Sox fans, all these teams that you always see and are popular teams saying, "Oh yeah, see the World Series suck. We need to do something about it." Okay, why don't your team do something about it and win the important games so you can get there? That's the point, is whoever's hot at the last part of the season and in the playoffs are going to do well in the playoffs. And I think you know, the Rangers and Diamondbacks are no strangers to one another. They play you know, in the spring training together, and they've played a series this year. So, but I think the Rangers did everything they, everything they needed to do to win the game, and, by, and it was managed by a great manager in Bruce Bochy. And I've said on this podcast time and time again, I'm a huge fan of Bruce Bochy. I've dealt with him a number of times. He's a great human being, and I'm happy that he got a chance to get another World Series. From a Diamondbacks fan perspective, I'm fine. I was fine coming in this. Once they swept the Dodgers, everything else was just, you know, was bonus. Gravy. Yeah, it was bonus time. So the Diamondbacks are a year or two ahead of schedule and and where this rebuild was. So you're going to get all these young guys back. They're probably not going to re-sign Tommy Pham, unfortunately, because I like the guy, but he's older. Um, they, they, they need a third baseman and another starting pitcher in free agency. 
Ken Kendrick came out yesterday and saying that because of the windfall, the unexpected windfall of the playoffs, there's extra money to spend. Whether he does it or not, I don't know. But I've never heard him say that. Otani, yeah. make a, make a call. I'm just saying, make a phone call. That's all. Just just call him. Yeah, throw your name in the hat. What do you have to lose, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, if they get him. There's not going to tickets going to be like three hundred dollars a game for every regular season game. <laughs> well, kudos to the the Rangers, you know, and I believe they've been a, a team in, in the American League since 1961. They got their first World Series title. Very, very, very big for them. Um, they lost a hundred games two years ago. I think the Diamondbacks lost 110. Two very unsuspecting teams show up in the playoffs and. I don't care if people didn't watch it. I watched it. It was very good baseball. The new rules that they've instituted, I think, help speed along the game. And both these teams are going to be a force to be reckoned with in the next couple of years. I, I not only watched it, I thought it was a fun World Series to watch. The The only disappointment I have is that I didn't get two more games, to, to be honest with you. And so, you know, there's a part of me, like, okay, you know, and we got to give credit. Casey credit because in our production meeting on Monday, he was the only guy who said, what if the Rangers sweep in Arizona? And I think, I know I laughed at him. I, I'm, I'm sure Dave, you stopped listening to him way before he said that. I don't listen and, to him anyway. Yeah. And, and, and Bill, I don't remember what your reaction was, but we got to give him kudos. He's not here. He pretty much called that. But as the series unfolded in game four and five, I didn't find myself rooting for the Diamondbacks or anything like that. I was, as a baseball fan, rooting for the best, most exciting situation, you know, extra innings, cling to every pitch. You know how I love it. And then a max number of games because I'm disappointed that it's over and I don't have baseball to watch this weekend. Texas Rangers, you could say that they're ahead of schedule as well, but they had done so much in free agency and bringing in Seager, bringing in Simeon. This is what they built that team for. The flip side, the Diamondbacks going into spring training, I don't think there was any expectation that they were going to, they wanted to compete in the West, but that they would be playing in the final series of the season. There was no expectation of that. And so their front office, their coaching staff, all of the players did everything right. And they play baseball. And we talked about this. They're playing baseball the old, new, old way which we love. They're doing everything the right way. And so fan or not a fan of their team, I hope that they continue. And and I'll tell you one of the reasons why, Dave, they've demonstrated to the rest of the National League West that you can win this way. There's there's more than one way to win. It's not just high-priced free agents and going out and spending a whole bunch of money. You continue to develop guys, bring them up, give them opportunities, present them opportunities, and maybe good things will happen. So I think that the rest of, you know, all of these leagues are copycat leagues, right? Other people are watching what the Diamondbacks accomplished this season, and they're saying, hey, we need to do more of that. Yeah. I forgot how good Corey Seager is. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, after watching and not getting to see a lot of them during the regular season, I believe he's one of the top three players in baseball. I mean, this guy's just phenomenal. And not a lot of people outside of the baseball fan – knows i mean because if you if you're like a watcher of sports center and you just get the highlights you're going to hear you know his name likely and and uh, but you don't think of him in that category as you just put him and no he's by far one of the best if not the best third baseman in baseball i've i mean that's legit now well, he plays shortstop 
That too. Okay. Probably yeah. <laughs> yeah. well, be best third baseman too. <laughs> One little side note. See, that's how um, much I know. Yeah. My grandson Wes Schaefer. We sat and watched the game, and he goes, "This is really nerve wracking." He's a, he's a freshman at <laughs> Coconino High School. Sports, he yeah. understands baseball, but he goes, "This was unbelievable." So if it's doing that to a fourteen year old young guy, it, you can imagine what it's doing to the adults. Before we go on, I got a, a short story for you. So the way this playoffs played out, you saw more people. Become a fan of the Diamondbacks, not only in Arizona, but you start seeing. I started seeing on social media people that were maybe our Red Sox fans. All of a sudden, hey, you know what? I like this team. Maybe I'll root for them. They're my National League team. They've gone out and now improved the fan base, not only here but around the country. One of my best friends, who I went to NAU with, her son plays uh, football at Basha. He doesn't start. <laughs> kind of like me when I play, doesn't start. Um, but because of him, she's gotten more in tune of being a sports fan. Every night during uh, the NLCS and the World Series, during a game, her and I texted back and forth. She's become such a sports fan where I'm having a normal, like I'll be texting you. Yeah. I'm, I'm the, the terminology and everything's there. I'm talking to her like a normal sports fan. And it's created a fan, better fans, I think, in Arizona because of this run, which is another side note for this. Absolutely. And just, just one more thing. One of the best lines I heard out of post game had to do and, and and you guys will love this. And, Bill, we've done this for a long time. Derek Jeter asked Bruce Bochy, he's like, every time we get one of your players on here, we're trying to get them to they're, – they're a difficult and frustrating interview because we're trying to get them to talk about themselves, and none of them will do it. They only talk about the team from the front office to the last player. He's And he's like, it must be a joy to coach a group of players that is so committed to one another – and they won't take the spotlight on themselves, and we, that's and that's the that's Texas Rangers. I think the Arizona Diamondbacks had that character as well. We had, when when Paul Goldschmidt was with the Diamondbacks, he would never talk about himself. And we had a pool running, and it would increase five dollars a game, and whoever got him to talk about himself would win the pot. And there was like <laughs> ten of us that 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 were in it. Gold, Goldie got wind of it, and uh, and he again, so he for sure wouldn't talk about himself. And then after one of the one of the games, I can't remember which one it was. He pulled a couple of sides. He's like, "Hey, how much is the pot? How much is the pot?" I go, "Oh no, he knows. Now we're screwed. We're, no one's going to win this thing <laughs> ever. ever. <laughs> it, yeah, I'm sure he still hasn't in St. Louis either. Isn't that cool, Bill? That no. you can have a group of guys like the Rangers. They just won the World Series. Corey Seager played out of his mind, and none of them would take the spotlight on. Is themselves. that is that from Bruce Bochy? Because you know he's taken three different teams to the World Series. He mm-hmm. won three World Series with the Giants. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. It's got to be coming from the top down. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, no. but it, but it's also types of players that you get also. And we we've seen teams be active in free agency throughout any sport. And you bring you bring a certain guy in, and it destroys your locker room. You know, they went out and they got good character guys too in free agency. So I think a lot of it has to do with you know I, I listen. I don't think we need for someone to establish our core values for us. We should have them anyway. And I think they've got players that have those core values. I liked, I loved when Boach uh, played the manager of the Indians in Major League, too. <laughs> he likes that joke, too. I actually that. That's awesome. All right, guys, let's move on to college football. Okay, three, three really good games this week. I know there's more, but three top 25 games that we want to talk about. Let's start with number two, Georgia, against number 12, Missouri. Bill, I'll start with you. And uh, if you would, guys, if you would give me the point spreads on these, the current point, point spreads as of 
whenever the last time you looked. Uh, Georgia's home and they're 15-point favorites. Um, this game pretty much decides the SEC East title. Georgia's 11-1 and against Missouri the last 12. Georgia uh, is without their All-American tight end and their leading receiver, Brock Bowers. Uh, the Missouri Tigers uh, quarterback, Brady Cook, has got better numbers than the Georgia quarterback. 15 touchdown passes and only three interceptions. Well, the, the, the Bulldogs are virtually better at every other position. 15 points seems like a lot. I'm not really sure which way to go on that, but I love the over here. Georgia averages 40. Missouri averages 30. The over and under is 55. That's where I'm going to put my money this week. Right, you know you have to make a pick, though. I'm, I'm going to go Georgia. You know, Missouri's one of those sleeper teams right now that no, nobody knows a lot about and doesn't take them seriously. A win against Georgia in at Georgia would be oh, one of those in that Change category. your program right now. Right. Oh, program changer. Absolutely. But it's Georgia at home, and they're a number two ranked team in the country, and they're they're a machine. I'm taking Georgia without a doubt against Missouri this weekend. Laying the 15. All right, let me give you guys one stat before I give you my pick. No team in college football is better inside the 20 than Missouri. It boasts a more than 97% success rate on offense in scoring position, and Georgia is 98th on defense in the red area, allowing opponents to score 15 out of 17 times, including 13 touchdowns. Whoa, that's pretty impressive. I'm not changing my pick, though. <laughs> and, and you know what? That's all really good. I'm taking Georgia. Yeah, me neither. I'm, I'm sticking with Georgia. Didn't change your mind Good try, though. Huh? No. Nice try. Not a bit. I didn't even change my own mind, okay? <laughs> Georgia is just 2-4-1 against the spread this year. Now, they, they don't cover a lot of spreads for their fans. Yeah, just They just that. win games. They haven't lost in... <laughs> 680 na- gays, days in a row now or some ridiculous <laughs> nice. things. And if we're picking straight up, that's one thing. 15's a lot, but I still like Georgia. All right, number eight, Alabama. Number 14, LSU. Who went first last time? Let's start with let's start with Dave. Uh, this was tough because, you know, I, I think of Alabama much, I, I think of Georgia. I mean, they're just that machine and that, you know, juggernaut of a team, but they're not really that good in, to that level. They're still a great program, but they're not at that level. So I look at this game, but LSU kind of isn't either. Now they got Jaden Daniels, a quarterback, the former Arizona State Sun Devil, and he's had a great career at LSU. Um, so that scares me a little bit in this game. Uh, Uncle, what do you got for points on this? Uh, Alabama's favored by three. Oh, lordy. Um, man, this is a tough one. I, you know what? I'm going to go with my gut, and I'm going to take LSU. Well, I, I, game, a couple different angles here. LSU's plus 90 yards a game better on offense. Alabama's plus 90 yards better on defense. Um, the Tigers had a really rough game early in the season against a possible Final Four team, Florida State. Uh, if the Crimson Tide win here, they, they've got a shot to get to the playoff. They, I think the, the whole key to this game is controlling Daniels. Jaden Daniels, as Dave said, the ASU transfer. He's already thrown for 2,500 yards and 24 touchdown passes. This is big-time SEC football. But I think Bama gets it done here in a close one Saturday night. Do you, do you think about taking the under in that? That's 61 and a half that I see. You know, Alabama's defense is great, and, and uh, it seems like LSU scores 50 on everybody. So that, that could be a, a good call, Dave. I, I, love that. I love that question, Dave. So 17 appears to be the magic number. Since the 9-6 game in 2011, Alabama is a perfect 10-0 when it holds LSU to 17 points or fewer and is 0-2 when the Tigers go over that number. All right? So the under is probably the play. I'm with you, Bill. I like Alabama plus the three 
in this game. I think that they're, they're minus right. three. Excuse yeah, me. minus three. Yeah, uh, Alabama minus three in this game. I'm going to go ahead and, and lay it. All right, final um, final college game before we get to stump the young. Hold on a second. Got to turn my page here. Texas and NK State. Bill, we'll start with you. If you like underdogs, this might just be your type of game. Texas is loaded, but Kansas State is is a live dog here. Uh, they they're tied for the best defense in the Big Twelve. Uh, Texas is is a top fifteen program, but Kansas State seems to do it every single year. I'm I'm going to go with Kansas State plus four. I, I guess it's a big game this week. K State plus four. You yes, like sir. It? All right. You know I'm looking at this, and you know I've seen K State play a little bit uh, this year. I like them, but I don't know if I like them enough to take them over Texas in Austin. And um, with that right there, I, I can't get over that that fact. I'm going to go with Texas. It's going to be a close game. K State may cover in this, but I'll take uh, I'll take Texas so um, you know outright with the minus four. So initially, I like K State to win this game outright. I, I have changed my mind. I'm going to take Texas. Um, I, I think four points is about right. I like Texas in this game as well. So hopefully, uh, you guys out there took your notes and see if we see how Bill does. On his picks, actually, see how we all do. Uh, you know, I've got a couple more just real quick. Uh, if, if you are a gambler and you bet on college football, I like ASU plus 11 this week. Uh, I like um, Clemson versus Notre Dame. And I like Kentucky minus four versus Mississippi State. So just some added information. All right. Very good. Well, can I do that? I got a couple. Go ahead. Uh, Bedlam is this weekend, by the way. We I don't know how we got past us, but Oklahoma and Oklahoma State at uh, at Oklahoma State. I love the Cowboys in that game. I'm taking them over Oklahoma, and I'm going to do a shout-out pick because uh, my, my partner on Friday nights, Reggie Eccleston, the UConn Husky, they're, they're in Tennessee this week. Tennessee is favored by 35. I'm taking UConn to cover. Because I, <laughs> just I'm, I'm getting, because I'm giving some love to Reggie. I'm not, <laughs> okay. I, I'm, not, I'm not dumb enough to take him all right against Tennessee. I'm taking him to cover the 35 against Tennessee. All right. Nice job, guys. All right. It's time to move on. Let's uh, each week we have an opportunity. We take the opportunity to see if we can get one by Flagstaff Bill. We call this. It's time for. Question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. I'll go first with trivia question this time. Bill, who was the only person? In NBA history, to be named most valuable player, coach of the year, and executive of the year. Easy question. I, I've got a couple that come to mind. I'm sorry, you say that coach of the year. So, player, most valuable player, coach of the year, and executive of the year at some point in their career. How about uh, Elgin Baylor? You no. Nothing. Drafted you into the NBA six overall by the Boston Dacer. Celtics in 1978, Larry Bird really? played his entire really? professional career for Boston, winning three NBA championships, two NBA Finals MVPs. He then served as head coach of the Indiana Pacers from 97 to 2000, and in 2003 assumed the role of president of basketball operations for the Pacers. So, yes, MVP, coach of the year, and executive of the year. I, didn't I ask that question like four weeks ago? I, I don't I, know, did you? I, I think that sounded familiar. Oh, well. I knew. I actually I knew it was wrong before I answered it because that wasn't asked before. You know, now that I'm running the board, I've got access to a couple of different effects here. So this is for Jeff. Dummy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Nice job. My turn. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, Casey's not here. Um, what major league pitcher holds a record for most consecutive no hitters? Is it Dave Rigetti, Johnny Vandermeer, Nolan Ryan, or Homer Bailey? 
Johnny Vandermeer, it's only happened once, is my understanding. And that, and actually, a little side note on that, it was one of the first night games in baseball history. They, they put in lights. And so they said, oh, that's why. Nobody can see the ball. And, <laughs> you know, 80% of the games are at night now. It's good. Nice job, Bill. More to that, he's, uh, he pitched two consecutive no-hitters on June 11th and June 15th. Uh, 1932, I forgot to write down the the year. I was in the 30s. This record is thought of as the most unbreakable record in baseball. Back-to-back no-hitters. Yeah, because the thought of three straight no-hitters is just not yeah. conceivable, especially now. Well, yeah, because guys aren't going to pitch long enough anyway. So. Right, right. Well, I, I've got one final note, uh, trivia question. Since we don't have Casey here this week. Did you know Michael Jordan is the only player in NBA history to win an MVP, a scoring title, First team all defensive team, an NBA championship and finals MVP in the same season. Jeez. He's the only person to do it, and he did it four times. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much like there, there's so many of those stats that just settle the argument as yeah. to, you know, who's the best player of all time. But of course, if you ask some of the young people, they'll say another guy, but more on that a little bit later. All right. NFL football. Let's dig in. Early in the morning on Sunday, the Dolphins and Chiefs, both teams six and two. This is a huge game. I think personally it's the game of the week. And Bill, we'll start with you on this one. Well, you know, I I watched Kansas City last week. I guess Patrick Mahomes was under the weather, but they're not dominating this year the way we're used to seeing them. The Dolphins offense is averaging 465 yards a game. Um, I'm not sure Patrick Mahomes has the weapons to compete here, but the Dolphins struggle against physical teams, and Kansas City's pretty physical on defense. Um, I, I like Miami, but my my brain tells me to go with um, the Chiefs. They're not going to lose two games in a row. And a little side note on the running back for the Chiefs, Devin Arcane. Is that how you say his name, Dave? Close. Sure. Close enough. I'll go along with you. He's out for a couple weeks. Uh, he's much missed. He's averaging 12 yards a carry. The wow. top Running back in the league is averaging five yards carry. He's averaging 12 yards carry. Now, Miami's good. I still don't think they're ready. I think the Chiefs cover the two-point spread here this week. So the funny thing about this game is that it's in Germany. And, What's uh, up with the, that? And the Chiefs gave up a home game for this. So it's that's weird. I mean, especially with the Chiefs have well, arguably the best home field advantage in all in the NFL. But, okay, I'm sure they're getting compensated for that somewhere along the way. So – but the Germans are going to, this is going to be maybe a game of the year type of thing, and the Germans get to, en- to enjoy this. It's a 7.30 kickoff on Sunday morning, so make sure you get up and get your breakfast. Um, I, I kind of like the Dolphins here because the, the Chiefs haven't been playing well lately. And, you know, I I, I think there's going to be a lot of points this game. The over-under in this is is 50. That could easily go over. Um, but I just like I like the Dolphins. To beat the Chiefs in this, and that, and I don't have anything to break down on that. It's just it's just a hunch feeling between the two teams, and the fact that the Chiefs really just haven't played well late, late, as of late. This is this game could be really helpful for home field advantage later on. They're both coming in here six and two. This would be, I would imagine, the first tiebreaker. I think this is one of these those games for the Dolphins. I mean, it matters to both teams, but for the Dolphins, you know, they've arrived as possibly one of the NFL's elite teams. You know, we keep saying Kansas City, we say Philadelphia, and rightly so. But Miami's right there. You also have the Tyreek Hill factor. And there was a great article that which Tyreek Hill is better, Chiefs Tyreek Hill 
or Miami Tyreek Hill. And they looking at the numbers and, you know, he's had the benefit of having passes thrown to him from Patrick Mahomes and all of his touchdowns have come from uh, Tagovailoa. And they say that this Miami version of Tyreek Hill is actually better than the Kansas City version. I think that's really interesting. I like that factor. I think that he goes out, you know, players, when they play with a chip on their shoulder, sometimes it works out really well for them. You know, Kansas City, let him go. I think he comes back, has a huge game for Miami, and Miami wins this game. Is it revenge factor is a consideration here? And I need to know what personality traits Tyreek Hill doesn't have. Why in the world would Kansas City ever trade that guy? Arguably the best receiver in the league, and uh, they let him go. Well, he has some legal issues. That's probably why. All right, Cowboys and Philadelphia. Cowboys 5-2, and two, coming off a big win. Eagles 7-1. They you know, have the best record in the league. Huge game for both teams. Dave, we'll start with you. The Cowboys have looked terrible against good offenses. And Philadelphia has the... They can have a good offense if they like, but they have a really good defense as well. Still, even though they lost their entire defensive coaching staff to the Cardinals, uh, but they're still very formidable. I love the Eagles in this game, and I love them more than just three points. I think they're going to buy a couple touchdowns. Are the Eagles a front runner for the Super Bowl? Are the Cowboys really a contender? Dallas usually beats up on bad teams. That isn't Philadelphia. Um, I. I'm hoping that you know the league's better when the Cowboys contend. I don't. They usually play the Eagles tough, but I think the the Eagles are big and physical up front, and I think it's Philly's time to shine here. I think uh, this decides the NFC. So you like Philadelphia, yes, sir. And you know what, guys, this is a game, in my opinion, that the Cowboys absolutely have to win, which means they won't. I've You're lost a lot of money in my lifetime betting on teams. Okay. This team has to win today. <laughs> right. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So <laughs> I'm going to stop right there. I like Philadelphia in this game as well. Well, until the, the Cowboys beat somebody, yeah. Well, no. and until they until they perform like they're supposed to in a big game, no. you know. And imagine their fan base. I mean, because their fans are going to be they're going to be up. They're going to be probably really in your face. You know, the the hours before this game. And then they're going to sit on their edge of their seat to be disappointed again because that's life as a Cowboy fan. Bills, Bengals, Sunday night. This is the one game that I'm actually going to get to watch all of. Bill, we'll start with you. This, this is the game of the weekend, and the Bills are 5-3. and three, The Bengals are 4-3. and three, Sunday night game at its best. Um, it's not very often you, you see the Bills as an underdog. and uh, But... I, I love the Bengals, what they've done now that they have a healthy Joe Burrow back. And I think they're poised to make a run. I just placed a wager on a futures wager on Joe Burrow to win the MVP and the Bengals to, to win the AFC. It's some 20 to 1 odds. Very, very good odds. Um, Bills are struggling. They're, they're missing a couple key players on defense. I love Cincy here, and I love the over just as much. I think there's going to be a lot of points. It's going to be a shootout. What's the point spread? The point spread Bengals minus three at home, and the over and under is fifty. I I don't like uh, the the pick between the two. I, I know I have to do it for this, but um, but I'm definitely taking the Bengals. I agree with with uh, with Unc on this as well. Um, if I'm betting this, which I'm probably going to, uh, the over just jumps out at me at fifty and a half. There, there this is a, this has a chance to be sixty sixty five somewhere in there. I I, I like the, the overplay, and the Bengals have been much better the last few weeks. I just don't know that I'm convinced yet. Joe Burrow's great. We we know that. Bengals have played better. Bills have been suspect at times this week. 
I think this is the kind of matchup that the Bills go into. Like, you know, we've we've got to reestablish ourselves as one of the top teams in the NFL. I don't have a lot of reasoning behind this. I just got a feeling Buffalo plays well, wins this game. I definitely think they cover the three. Well, I, I think Buffalo or the Bengals or Dolphins or Chiefs, one of those four teams is going to win the AFC. So this is a very important game to all four of those teams. What about Jacksonville? What about Baltimore? Yeah, they're, and they're they're right up there as well. They're still we're halfway through the season, maybe one game over. It's we're gonna have a great second half of the NFL season, and we have no baseball to distract us no. now. So it's all about the NFL for a while. I guess you know the NBA and you know NHL have started. Well, yeah. Well, gotta there's get, that. Get some hockey in there. There's that at some point. All right. Thank you guys for your picks. Uh, let's turn our attention. One of our favorite segments of the week, sports through the ages. We get this opportunity to take a look back, look, look forward. This is generations. And so sometimes it's an old story, sometimes a new story. This week, I got the privilege of sports through the ages. And this one may be a little bit of surprise to you. So first off, welcome to another thought-provoking sports through the ages. Now this week, I want to explore why LeBron James, one of the greatest athletes of our time, may paradoxically be one of the most polarizing figures in sports history. Yes, I said it, one of the most polarizing figures in sports history. LeBron James is often hailed as one of the best basketball players in the world. Some people even say the best of all time, although I don't agree with that. And he has had a remarkable career. He's won multiple NBA championships. He's been named NBA All-Star numerous times. And his list of accolades seems never-ending. But despite his incredible success and contributions to the game, LeBron often finds himself in the center of controversies and is sometimes the most criticized athlete. But here's what's baffling to me, and it should be to you as well. LeBron has managed to stay scandal-free throughout his career. He's been a true role model for athletes and an inspiring figure for millions of fans, especially for the youth. And yet, a significant portion of sports fans, media, and even fellow athletes tend to hold a strong dislike for him. Some people even hate him. So one might wonder, why is LeBron James, who has never had a scandal, so widely disliked by some? Now, let me remind you that the loved and revered Muhammad Ali Remember, early in his career, had the scandal where he did actually dodge the draft, and many people hated him for that. By the end of his illustrious career, he was much loved. So, for LeBron, sure, he declared in an overblown and overhyped press conference that he was taking his talents to South Beach. And yes, he has tried to build super teams in Miami, Cleveland, and Los Angeles. And he does flop. But if those are the worst things he's done... Honestly, what gives? Now, let's explore some of LeBron's incredible philanthropic efforts to understand the unfairness of this situation. In 2018, he opened the I Promise School in his hometown of Akron, Ohio. This public school focuses on helping at-risk children by providing free tuition, transportation, uniforms, and even a bike to every student. Yes, you heard that correctly, a bike to every student. LeBron pledged millions to fund the school's programs, and his dedication to education has positively impacted hundreds of children and their families. LeBron also established the LeBron James Family Foundation, which aims to positively affect the lives of children and families through various programs and initiatives. He has donated millions to help underprivileged communities, provided scholarships for students to attend college, and supported children battling life-threatening illnesses. 
So why is an athlete so devoted to giving back to his community and supporting those in need often met with harsh criticism and animosity? It is a perplexing question, as LeBron's efforts have truly changed lives. It seems that LeBron's unpopularity isn't due to his actions or character, but perhaps because he's seen as a threat. He uses his platform to address social issues and advocates for change. He's not just a basketball player. He's an activist who speaks out on topics like racial injustice, education, and equity. So perhaps it's this outspoken nature that has led to division among fans in the sports world. As a society, we should celebrate athletes who use their influence for good and strive to make a positive difference in the world. Yet for some, LeBron's advocacy is seen as a negative, contributing to his divisive reputation. So as we wrap up today, let's reflect on the irony of LeBron James' position in the world of sports. An athlete who has remained scandal-free, contributed enormously to philanthropic endeavors, and used his platform for social change should be revered. But he remains a figure of contention for some. It's a reminder that the world of sports, like any other, can be complex and contradictory, where a person's character and actions can sometimes be overshadowed by personal bias and divisive opinions. Anyway, thank you for staying with me for this thought-provoking Sports Through the Ages. Until next time, keep thinking, keep questioning, and keep listening. We don't have enough time for me to break this down, but let me just say, uh, this week's Sports Through the Ages was brought to you by LeBron James. (laughs) Did you get get sneaker free shoes for that? I mean, I have seen a lot of butt kissing in my lifetime. That was a masterclass on how to do it. And you know, as absurd as what you just said sounds, (laughs) I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. What I would challenge, though, is if you are counted among the people who just don't like him, because he doesn't play for your team, because he flops, because he took his talents to South Beach, but you can't come up with another good reason for it, then shame on you. Because the contributions that he's making to communities around the world should be what the commentary is about LeBron James and his legacy. Listen, someone said to me yesterday, well, he declared himself the king. Well, you know what? Listen, these are multi-million dollar, high-priced, egotistical athletes. If we got... If we got criticized for every time we said something stupid, okay, we wouldn't even be able to show our faces in public. And so, yeah, maybe that's true. And who doesn't have an ego that plays professional sports? You look at what they do outside of the game, the impact that certain guys make outside of the game. And we can't even give credit for that because he doesn't wear your uniform and because he flops and because... Someone said he was better than Michael Jordan, not him, but someone else said it. And so we hate him for that. You know, listen, shame on you, Dave. Shame shame on you, rest of sports fans who have that attitude, because you know what? Maybe the problem isn't LeBron James. Maybe the problem is you. Seriously, what kind of shoes did he send you? Do you have a comment? Before he does, let me just add this. I've interviewed LeBron a couple of times. I love the guy. He gets what the media tries to do and knows that we got to get home to our families. He understands all that. I have had zero issue with LeBron at all. I think Michael Jordan was a better player. Me too. But that's just I don't hate LeBron. I hate the fact that he's a Laker. That's the only way I hated Kobe. I respect and love Kobe. I think he was the best player that I've ever seen live. But I hated him because he was a Laker. That's my prerogative. Bill, what do you think? Bill, <laughs> do you? I think very eloquent. 
very did you get us shoes too? Expansive and yeah, if I get shoes, I'll say some good things about LeBron. <laughs> exactly right. No, I I was very very well done, Jeff. Very well. Well, thank you guys. Appreciate it. Okay, we'll close the book on that. Glad you guys. Glad you guys came aboard. All right. It's time for Sports Around the Mountain. Dave, what is happening this weekend on the Mountain here? Well, since we uh, taped this show on Friday, tonight is the 55th annual Flagstaff City Championship football game between Kokanee and Flagstaff. Panthers have won the last six games between the two with a combined score of 187 to 41. You know that thing about the hammer and the nail is not a rivalry? It's still a rivalry, but it's kind of in that genre right now. They won last year's game 82 to nothing. Uh, last game for Flagstaff is tonight. Coconino, if they win tonight, they put them in the 4A state playoffs, uh, likely on the road. We're going to have a one-hour pregame show starting on Cap Sports Network, which is on the NFHS Network platform. That starts at 5 o'clock. Then radio coverage with myself and Reggie starts at 5.30. Kickoffs at 6 o'clock from the Sky Dome. If you're listening to this before the game and you're planning on going, uh, you have to buy tickets online and the clear bag policy is in effect because that's an NEU thing. So, Big time thing. We'll talk more about this when I get done here. NU football got a big win last week against UC Davis. They'll take on a mad Montana State team. Montana State lost Idaho uh, on a last second field goal when their kicker missed it. Um, they were ranked number two in the nation. They're now ranked number six. Uh, and they are a national championship contending team. They are that good. So this is a big test up in Bozeman. It's going to be a cold day, too. Uh, so if any of you can get this win, this is going to be very impressive and may, may put them in line for a playoff spot. Kickoffs at noon. Last night, uh, which would be Thursday night, any of the men's basketball team, they kicked off their season, kind of. They had an exhibition game at the Royal Activity Center against the Sagu Indian Bible College and NAI school. They won 76-71, NEU did. However, NEU played mostly new players and reserves in that game. The starters didn't play hardly at all. NEU will be, uh, won't be doing that on Monday when they begin their regular season as they take on the defending national champion UConn Huskies back in Storrs, Connecticut uh, to open up their season. Uh, Tip-off for that game will be 4.30 on Monday as NEU well, is going to start the season big, I guess, <laughs> against, uh, against the defending national champs. Finally, I want to spotlight a player in tonight's game. Jaden Wetzel, Jeff, you, you know him. Uh, we've taught him before he even got into high school. Uh, he's a junior now, strangely enough. He's the second leading running back in the Grand Canyon region. Great kid. Doesn't say a lot. Uh, he was interviewed by Tyler from our Spotlight crew uh, this week. And, well, Jaden said a lot this time. But he followed Crash Davis's advice from Bull Durham and learned his cliches. Let's see how many you can count in this short little 13-second clip from junior running back Jaden Wetzel. You know, this is definitely going to be a physical game, a tough, hard, tough battle. You know, we got to fight through the end. We got to really push the fear and push through the end because we know Crosstown Bibles are going to be a hard fight. But, you know, we got to, we got to bring our A game. We got to come out and win. We got to, you know, give it all we got. I counted five. <laughs> That's pretty Not good. bad for a high school kid. <laughs> right? Especially a kid doesn't say much. I mean, he said he learned all his cliches and used them all in, in the correct order. <laughs> should, be, should be a fun game tonight. And, of course, we hope and pray that it's a game without incident. All right, it's time for crunch time. Who wants to go first on the crunch time? Dave, we'll, we'll, we'll let you go first. Okay, usually this is a, a chance where I can rant and rave and yell and scream, but I can't do it this time because we lost one of my favorite athletes of all time this week. The first athlete I remember being a fan of was Phoenix Suns legend Walter Davis. The man Al McCoy once dubbed Sweet D and the man with the velvet touch could pass and score with the best of them back in the late 70s. The NBA's Rookie of the Year in 1978 is the Suns' all-time leading scorer still with 15,666 points. I think Devin Booker's going to pass that in a couple years. He also won an Olympic gold medal in the 1976 Olympics with Team USA. He's in the Suns' ring of honor, and he will live in the hearts and minds of longtime Suns fans forever. Sweet D died of natural causes at the age of 69. Well done. Bill? 
Okay, today I, I want to talk about underdogs, and the Diamondbacks got me in this mood here uh, last week, and uh, it's kind of tough to go through them all. I'm, I'm, I've just picked out some of the big ones. The 1980 men's U.S. hockey team versus Russia. The 1967 Miracle New York Mets. The 82-83 North Carolina State basketball team with Jim Valvano. The 1966 Texas Western, I think their UTEP now men's basketball championship with the first all African American starting lineup. The 2001 Patriots um, beat heavily favored Rams and killed me. But everybody loves a good underdog. Lots of teams read their press clippings and don't prepare for the games. Huge upsets make for good sports. The Diamondbacks runs this year, for example. If you would have said two years ago that the Diamondbacks were going to be in the World Series this year, people would have laughed. It's great for the city. It's great for the state. Big upsets are fun. You need to enjoy these special times because they don't really last very long and they don't come often. I think root hard for your home team and enjoy their successes as only one team wins the whole thing every year. Nice job. And, and I agree. Underdogs make sports fun. So, so I want to talk on my crunch time about why do people who claim to be sports fans stop watching when their team is eliminated? It's one of those more than little annoyances to me. Bill, neither one of our teams was involved in this World Series, and yet we were clinging to every pitch. My team's never in the World Series. So so, so you have a lot of practice at this. Maybe that's part of it. But I heard so much over, over the years, and especially this time, hey, if my team wasn't in it, I wouldn't be watching. I don't understand that. As a sports fan, are you truly a baseball fan or are you just a fan of your team? Are you a football fan or just a fan of your team? If you're a fan of sports, then yeah, be disappointed when your team is no longer in it, but the sport still goes on and there's great storylines that still exist until a champion is crowned. I would love to see fans be more than just fans of a color or a uniform or a mascot of a city and be fans of the sport that they claim to love. Oh, absolutely, Joe. That's a great call. You know, with today's media, the, the little side stories are huge. They they never used to do that. Now the, the, there's super interesting facts and storylines behind some of these games, and if you're not paying attention, you're going to miss it. Absolutely. And, and it seems like the only sport that really kind of transcends that city or team loyalty is football. Yeah, people keep watching football until the last day, regardless of whether the team's in it. Not so much for other teams. All right, that's going to wrap things up for us this week. As always, we appreciate your time and attention to this program. For Casey Everett, who wasn't here, Dave Zorn, Bill Unkovich, I'm Jeff Kennedy. Thanks for listening. Remember, national security is not at stake, and we are not solving the world's problems. We're just talking sports. That's all it is. Now, what are you going to do? Good morning! Morning! Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. So this is Vin Scully wishing you a very pleasant good afternoon wherever you may be.